love this. This church has always been so kind to me. You can put that up now, sister, if you would. This church has always been so kind to me uh, from the very beginning, Brother Griffin. Uh, and I'm sorry, where's my glasses? Uh, and never failed to be kind, be, be, uh, be what it needed to be for me. As I grow older, can I just tell you, I don't know if it's getting old. I don't know if it's uh, what it is. I don't know if I'm going to be an old sentimental fool or what, but I just, I weep a lot. I, I think about the real valuable things in life. And uh, I'm just a blessed man. Amen. Thank you, Bishop, for the, all that you've done to keep me in the house. Praise God. Sister Lloyd uh, tonight led our prayer service. She, she said, uh, what were the things? The nation, there was a nation saved by prayer. There was a people saved. City, it was saved by prayer. I'm going to expand on that tonight. Yes. You. Yes. Amen. It's been, in some cases, a very violent week. Amen. The kingdom of God yes. suffered yes. violence and the violent take it by force. Yes. There are many young people I was here for, I think every service, the public services, many young people by force took some things in this house, Brother Wright. Oh, and I think, I'm not going to mention his name, but uh, but uh, I prayed with a young man here Sunday morning and I felt, as we prayed, there was a groaning and there was a, a, a wounding, a smiting, a heaviness, a brokenness that came out of just stunned me down. I thought, my God, that something big that just moved in that young man's spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so it's been it's been powerful. Yes. Um, and so here, look at this. I, we'll, I'll read a scripture in a moment. We can stand. But to them who by patient continuance, Amen. In well doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life to those. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. So they were continuing in that seeking for the glory and the honor, these young people. And I, if they were in here, I would applaud, applaud them. I applaud them now. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, so let me get started tonight. I'm a, I'm a Bible thumper. I'm not a laptop thumper. <laughs> <Out of> that. <laughs> Your face should be turned red. <laughs> First, I told you I'd feel at home tonight. I, I, I love that. <laughs> uh, I know about through this audience tonight, I know there are preachers, wonderful preachers. I, I know there are Bible quizzers, award-winning Bible quizzers. So I and there's pastors and everything else here. I'm just a I'm just a, uh, a layman. But I come in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Pepper, for praying for me earlier. <laughs> Uh, so if you're seeking, if you're one who is seeking for that glory and that honor, a good place to start is at this altar. Yeah, yes, sir. And I want to talk about the altar tonight. Take me a little bit to get there, but uh, that's where we're headed tonight. 
If you, if you will, if you would stand, I do have a verse. We'll stand, and I'll read read it. I have a couple more right away, but you can sit right back down if you'd like to. In Acts chapter two, verse forty. Praise God. Acts chapter two, verse forty. Now remember, this is on the heels, on the heels of about three thousand devout Jews having. Uh, having on the day of Pentecost being filled with the Holy Ghost and afterward having been pricked in their heart and having said, remember what they said, what shall we do? And with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourself. Amen. From this untoward generation. I'm very mindful that we've got new converts. Praise God for that. Adam. I don't see Sister Leah tonight, but she's been on my heart all day long. Praise um, let's continue to pray. Let's continue to pray and lift her and carry her on wings of prayer. Who knows what this world offers now at conversion? I was converted a long time ago when I think it was a lot easier. I, that, may, that may not be an accurate statement, but it's not like it is today. We need to lift her up. Amen. You, you can be seated. Uh, so they had asked what they what we must do. I take exception to those that say that we call us apostolics, uh, Bishop, that call us modalists because that we teach that you must do something. You must do something for salvation. And in that way that we are legalists. I take exception to that. I would take you to Abraham who when God made covenant with him. Offered all these wonderful things. And then essentially. And let me paraphrase tonight. I'll be doing a little bit of that. Said. Said. Now Abraham if you like these things. That you see. That I've said. That I've promised. If you like them. Go out now. And circumcise yourself. And everybody else that you want to have part of that promise. Amen. So there are some things. Yes, we must do some things. James 1, 25 says, Whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a what? Doer. But a doer of the word. That man is blessed. So Abraham obeyed. He went out. He was circumcised himself in his house. And by doing so, he put himself in covenant relationship. Being in covenant relationship is very important. Amen. Amen. Apostle Peter wrote and said this. I want you to be established in the present truth. What does that tell? What does that say to you? The understanding should come along that truth has not, truth has been in, come in dispensations or has come in covenant. Truth is truth, but the unfolding of it has brought us to a present truth. And so he said, how, how, so really, and with it having been said, how do we know that we are in the present truth? That we are in the present covenant? That we are in the present dispensation if we've not obeyed that Acts 2.38 message, which which is the historical record of the birth of the church. Amen. You can say amen tonight if you want to. The altar is a good place to begin. If you have been to the water and been filled with the Holy Ghost, you are in that relationship. Amen. And now, God and I and God and you 
can work on that relationship. Yes. We can deepen that relationship. Right. Yes. Thank God for it. But can I point out that if obeying Acts 2.38 is all that it takes, what means the rest of the book? Brother Grayson. What's out? What's in there? Recipes? Family photos? Homes? <laughs> Maps? What? <laughs> no. More of the counsel of God. Right. Amen. So when these Jews whose conscience and heart had been suddenly found guilty, they found themselves guilty. And Peter was not preaching off the cuff. You read that book of Acts chapter 2, uh, chapter 2, and you will see that Peter is alluding and pulling up Old Testament fact and truth. And so a Jew, these Jews were convicted with that. And uh, this one, when they found, when they realized, Brother Griffith, that they were guilty of that, of, of, of that crucifixion of who David said was made both Lord and Christ, Sister Pepper, yes. they feared and they trembled, yes. no doubt, and said, what shall we do? Will you say that with me? What, what shall we do? That cry goes out. It's still echoing down through the centuries. What do we need to do? What shall we do? The answer came swiftly. It came resolutely. It came immutably. It doesn't change. Simply it was to repent. Praise that Jesus' death and resurrection has made a new altar. There's a new old. Yes. <laughs> you stand. I, I, I got to be careful because I'll, I'll go off on a tangent. <laughs> and I'll be lost. <laughs> but uh, we talk about that thief between stood elbow his way in there. Well, look at this. Right there with all this Hebrew understanding of the Old Testament and all the temple worship, the Levitical system, and so on and so forth. Comes a new altar. New altar. <laughs> Praise God. No longer, no longer up there behind the curtain of the temple. Right. Right. Glory. And so Paul, uh, so I think, I mean, I have this, I, I thought about that, I wrote this down. You crucified him publicly. Now, we bear some guilt in that because of sin, of course. But because it was that way publicly, you need a public repentance. Yes. Brother Powell, would you say amen back here? I can hear Philippians 2, verse 12. Thank you. Wherefore, my, my beloved brethren, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with a caveat, with a with a plan, with a with, with two things that are essential. Paul comes much later, and he says, with fear and with trembling. Amen. And then, lastly, my verse there. Hebrews 5, 5. Just going to read this, make no comment yet. But in the days of his flesh, yes. when he had offered up prayers, Sister Lloyd, 
when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Praise God. The world is saved by prayer, Sister Lloyd. Amen. (laughs) So I want to talk to you tonight, if you put my title up there, The Workout. Work out your own salvation with fear, brother, and tremble. Amen. Every year without exception, and it's coming again, we celebrate. The world celebrates Christmas. Uh, We call it Christmas. Luke 2, verse 11 said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The angel says words that reach into the center of the Hebrew hole in these shepherds. That word reaches the Hebrew heart and understanding of these men. Because this, this one that is born, he's born Christ. But his name is not yet revealed to them. The angel Gabriel had said to Joseph, Thou shalt, uh, when the time comes, call his name Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb, said Luke 2.21. Before he was conceived in the womb. We see in God's plan then that God does sometimes wait for things. We knew that. But the announcing of his name, the obeying of the law, the waiting, for a little longer until the eighth day for the public revelation of his name. Look at look look with me and let's go to that next scripture. Galatians 4, verse 4. He was made. But when the fullness of the time was come, notice that. We waited. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. The Son of God, the flesh of God, uh, Pastor Urban used to say, was made. Amen. Amen. Uh, He was born. In that way we understand the Son is not eternal, but manifest for the taking away of sins. And he was manifest in the flesh. The brothers spoke it the other morning. Young people heard it. He was manifest in flesh. God has often put his power in restraint for one reason or another. Amen. And he waited until the fullness of time. I have a couple more examples. I don't think I'm going to have time for it. But clearly Hebrews 2 tells us that uh, he put all things under him. Speaking of Jesus. But what? But he said, but but, but what we see not yet. Not yet. Sister Susie. All things put under him. Right. But but we see Jesus. Amen. Yes. Uh, it doth not yet, John wrote. He said, uh, brethren, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. He said, uh, for we, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, we shall be like him because we're going to see him as he is. He's waiting. He's waiting. Mary wrapped him up in little swanning clothes, swaddling clothes, and, and the workout begins for the Son of Man, the Son of God. 
the workout begins. Let's understand that, well, let's understand it very well, that Mary could not give him any deity. Amen. Mary gave him his body. Praise God. The body of a man has limitations. Yes, the path from the most high has none. <laughs> oh, I thought I did it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So Jesus is deity and he is man. Amen. His working out salvation was not for himself. For he who knew no sin. Brother Noble. He who knew no sin was made sin for us. Amen. The angel's word that was saying to those shepherds was saying this. The Christ, the Messiah, that your people, the seed of Abraham, have been hearing about for 4,000 years, probably since Genesis 3.14. Now is here. Amen. Sometime later, when he put his tools aside, he stood in front of a lady down in John 4, uh, and he began, well, he had begun his ministry earlier yeah. than that. He stood before the lady down there in Samaria. Now, before I get to that, what is his ministry? Let's look uh, there, John, uh, John 18, verse 37, thank you. What is his ministry? Let's hear it from his own mouth. Pilate therefore said unto him, Are you the king? Jesus answered, You said it. Now I'm taking a little liberty with that. King James wasn't there. <laughs> but he said, You said it. And he said, To this end, here's his ministry. To this end, what end, Jesus? What end? What, what end? To the and to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world that uh, into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Notice this: everyone, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Amen. In John four twenty five, the woman at the well says, "No." Quoted here, I've written it down. I know that Messiah comes, which is called Christ. Now I'm here because this is, uh, uh, to, it's, I think it's important. I, I really think I thought there'd be some con new converts here tonight. But Christ and Messiah are synonymous; they're one and the same. So she says, "I know that Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things." I'm here to show that the Jewish Messiah is the Greek Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. And the words are synonymous. Jesus, of course, said, well, the I that speaks to you, I am he. Yeah. Her words prove that even the Samaritans knew the promise of the Hebrew Messiah. The real and expected essence of all the Hebrew promise of all the covenant, of all the dispensation, was certainly to come. They knew that. She knew that God would come. This man, Jesus, uh, standing standing before her is saying, I'm here. I'm fulfilling that office. That that you had heard about. I'm, I am that. The promise 
and all that you have associated with Messiah that you speak of, I am he. Yeah. When you let me paraphrase a little bit here, but he's, he's saying, I am come not to be thought of anymore as an ancient, sometimes maybe threadbare uh, promise, a dusty old promise, but I am here as you see me, a man. She goes and tells the city and yes. the rest is in the history of revivals. Yes. She goes, she says there was a man. And if you picked him up on it tonight yet, I'm talking about the man, Christ Jesus. Right, yes. Amen. Praise God. Uh, the church is blessed to know that God came and we're blessed to know that he's coming again. So her words prove uh, some things. They prove that there was a certain limited knowledge of, the, of Christ that existed. That Christ was sent for. He will tell us all things. He is most important. But, but, but Christ could not be touched. He could not be felt. He could not be seen. He, he could have hit the vibrant living of him was not in her. He held for her an office. And uh, in her understanding, and her words also certainly proved too that she didn't think he was even here yet. So Jesus Christ, the one here who we love and worship, is standing before her. This woman, probably maybe around 5'10", probably somewhat lean because, you know, he had no, he was a carpenter. And carpenters usually had Brother Goldman <laughs> Accepted here are leading. <laughs> but he stood there unrecognized. Yes. Amen. Until he told her all the things that she did. <laughs> That's God. Yes. What was she looking for? What do we look what do we look for in Christ? One that can tell us all things. Don't you want them? Isaiah said of him, he has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. The Old Testament law and prophets can do no more than give the details and the descriptions of Christ, which they did profusely, and they did it repeatedly, so he would be recognized. But they yearn to see him. <laughs> Jesus. Ah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, you ever thought about that? I don't have time. Not going there. I can't go there. But have you ever thought about that? Jesus. What? Who? What does he look like? Job said, "I don't have any days." But he knew. He knew that his redeemer was standing yeah. on the earth. <laughs> I can't help it. I told you I'm going to be an old sentimental man, and I'm also kind of free with my worship. <laughs> Glory. But if we could put ourselves back in time under those circumstances, that without a person in front of us, without a name, without Christ, Messiah is an office. He is an expected one, but without flesh, the notion of him could too easily, too easily fade away from the awareness of our culture. Right. Yes. If the hope if the hope and the promise weren't held up before the people. Amen. That barrenness would be seen. Now listen to me. 
That barrenness would be seen in the nation in its politics. It would be seen in the nation in its economy. By ringing a bell. It would be seen in the nation's business of Israel, but I'm closer to home than that. Amen. It would be seen in its education, that barrenness, brother. Uh, it would be seen in its religion. So if I'm before God, if I am there before God is manifest, I've got to select a lamb. I've got to rustle up a, a, a bull, Sister Debbie, a goat. I've got to get my family together. I've got to go up and I've got to make a sacrifice. So I believe it's safe to say. I think I've given enough evidence to say that Christ is an office without a person until Jesus is born. <laughs> I don't know what that does for you, but that blesses my soul. Amen. Praise God. So let's uh, let's look here at... Um, uh, do it here, right here. Let's go to Galatians 2, verse 13 and 14. Oh, I made a mistake. Here it is. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Praise God. I, we are Jews. Yes. I, I have no equivocation. This, this, this Old Testament, which of course is Jewish, I have no equivocation whatsoever to take anything out of that and apply it to myself. Do you? No. Because we are the seed by faith yes. of Abraham's promise, of that promise, which is the Holy Ghost. Yes. Amen. Paul, being the Hebrew of Hebrews, and, and having seen more clearly maybe than anyone else, uh, of this God, this God working through revival and then backsliding in Israel, and then revival, and then backsliding, and then again, he was a student of the Lord. Yes. He, knew, of course, I, he was... Uh, well, let me just leave it there. He knew the word. Yeah. And he uh, he saw this repeatedly. So he must have, he, he understands that what God had to do through, work through, what God had to do to work through, to bring us promise, to bring us salvation, we have to work through with fear and trembling to keep. Yeah. It took a long time for me to get there. But that's what, that's what I'm talking about tonight. Praise God. Uh, he knows there is a froward, untoward world to have to keep ourselves saved in that time. He knew yes. that in that time. Just as we know it now in this time. Right. Amen. Amen. Uh, so I want to talk about the workout. I, I know it's kind of warm. In here tonight, but, uh, I don't ever remember going to a gym to work out. I, I, Brother Pepper, by the time I came home from a good day at work, I was working. I didn't, I never went out down there to stuff a weight or whatever, stretch, you know, pull the chain or whatever they do. But, but people that work out, they do it for different reasons, of course. And if you do that, I'm not, I'm not making fun of you. I'm saying I never did. Uh, but they do it, I guess, to grow muscle mass. I, 
They do it, I guess, to maintain or rebuild their health. I suppose that maybe there's that that like to be attractive to the opposite sex. Uh, now, come on. Maybe. Somebody held up two hands. <laughs> but growth of muscle mass is dependent upon a number of things. It's dependent, of course, upon diet, Brother Steve, hydration probably, I'm not sure about that, but proper rest, of course, proper amount of strain, not too much and not too little. Jesus. There's, there must be right there to the middle, a place like your coronary, you know, where you're burning calories, where you're building muscle. I remember a story, I cannot reference it, I do not know where, but I remember hearing this about a great famous pianist in Europe somewhere who was up and coming and who the world had great expectations for him. I hope this close to Great expectations for this pianist. He, 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 he was stretched his hands, sister, you would know about this maybe. He stretched his hands to get a core, to get a, to get two notes that were when he did it, he tore a tent or did something. The story's kind of vague now, but he tore something out of his hand. He never played again. He's trained too hard. Uh, so we could we could strain too hard. We could strain not enough. Uh, to, to, to build, to grow. So, so there's more, there's another really essential ingredient in working out. Whether it's, you know, I'm going to get to the workout we didn't work in. But, uh, and it's simply this it's willpower. Yes, sir. It's willpower. Yes. Now you sang tonight, let my will to crumble. What do we have here? Do we have a contradiction? No. No, not at all. It takes a man, I say man, man, I, that's I, women, right? Mankind, even that word now. Is, but uh, mankind will. You have a will. It takes will power to lift a dumbbell. It takes yes. will power to fear and tremble. Amen. If every saint of God would ask himself or herself, consider this, Brother Venus, what is leading, drawing me into spiritual growth? I'll just give you a second to think about that. What is it that's leading me and drawing me into spiritual growth? What is my spiritual growth if I am to grow? What is it dependent upon, Brother Grayson? What, I'll say that again, what is my spiritual growth if I am to grow? What is it dependent upon? Wouldn't the answer be willpower? Amen. Wouldn't that willingness have to be so strong as to ignore distractions in this life? Wouldn't that have to be so strong to work past all the hindering things. Amen. Including pride. Which. It thrives on comfort. It thrives on wealth. It thrives on fame. It 
it, it, it thrives on those kinds of things. But growth, uh, well, let me, let me back up. I, I'm trying to chop little pieces out here, and I, forgive me. But would you consider you, so then let me ask another question. If someone turned to you and asked if you did possess that willpower, we're talking about. Ask you this question. What is the most needful thing in the 21st century church? What is certain to win the world to apostolic truth? Would you consider your answer to be fear and trembling? I know that's different. But the Bible said, Stephen speaking, said, Moses trembled. When Moses trembled, a nation was brought out of bondage. Jesus. When Ezra trembled, sitting in the rubble of the temple of God, when he trembled, men came to him and said, let's get to work. When Paul trembled. What happens when Paul trembles? <laughs> the Christian world for thousands of years gets instruction and illustration when Paul trembles. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, praise God. And verse 22 said something more about Saul or Paul. He said he increased the more in strength. He grew. Yes. Amen. And so let me move on to growth. Uh, again, I thought there'd be some new converts here. Maybe there are. Growth for the new convert who wants to, growth for the new converts who want to grow and know all about the Lord and want to know now. Uh, sometimes growth comes so slow. Yes. You, I'm sure, yes. Pef, Brother Pepper, you know all about this. It's a okay. Praise God. The devil would like to make you think that Christianity is some kind of a race. It is not. Hey, man, it's not a race. The race is not to the swift, but to those who endure unto the end. I remember coming into church, Brother Griffin, some time ago now, a couple weeks ago. No, it's a few years ago. I looked at guys like you. Of course, you were not pastoring then, so I could look at you that way then. I looked at, <laughs> I looked at guys like Brother Drew, uh, Brother Pierce, Vanoy, uh, Tim Vanoy, some guys. I thought you guys were the swiftest guys there were. Mm -hmm. I thought you were so swift. I thought, my God, I've got to put something on the board. These guys, here I am. And Pee Wee, <laughs> and Pee -wee Frost, my friend. What a sweetheart of a guy. Pee Wee, I tell you, I think he's a little bit like an M&M. You know, you got to get past that shell. And then you get the real rich truck. But Pee Wee is a sweetheart. I love him. I loved him. I was, he was here when I came in got the Holy Ghost. I love I loved being around him. But, but to grow, we, we simply purposefully 
consistently set our affections on things above, yes. on things that are higher. Those are the things that are promised. So it takes faith, of course, to continue. And I believe our growth is in proportion to our fear and trembling. I believe that. I don't. Jesus. Uh, fear and trembling at all will not only give us growth and gain our strength, but it will also guard our strength and right. guard our health. Guard. Somebody would say, why work out? Well, I read it. We read it in Romans 2, verse 7. It's called glory and immortality. <laughs> Praise God. Let's put up there some, 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought to life an immortality to light through the gospel. What's been brought to the light? Life and immortality. Praise God. You don't want to come up short because let's, 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 let's understand. If we're going to, if whatever is going to drive me, willpower, whatever it is to get what I will get this precious immortality in life, I'm going to fear and tremble. Yes. Amen. Amen. We each one, I don't know where I'm at on time, we each one of us, uh, we each one of us are working out in our own life environments. Jesus. In our own salvation. The pastor hopes you are. Bishop hopes you are, of course I hope you are, Sister Lloyd hopes you are. The things you have to work out in your life may not be the things that I have to work out, Sister Susie, in my life. Amen. And so uh, the environments of my life are different than yours. And vice versa. Can I, I'm going to pass right over the top of that. Um, So I can't. Let me just slip in in this to you, and without you being offended, especially if you're a new convert, but it pertains to us too. Don't wish yourself to be like or want to exchange your problems for somebody else's. Amen. Uh, be the real person that you are. And two, why should the attitude of someone who's not working out their salvation have any influence on you who is? And and, and I've told it before, I I remember Brother Smith next door, old Brother Smith stood up one night, said, Brother Urban said, I heard that WGGH today, it had just come on with George Dobbs, and he said, I heard everything on there from soup to nuts. And I'm sitting there, a brand new saint. I thought I made a mark in my mind. I said, "This man's telling me something. Jesus. Everything that comes in the name of Jesus may not be right." Uh, Let me tell you about a personal thing the Lord showed me. As I've always wondered, Sister Irvin, I know you like to quote that scripture about His Word, put His name, Word above His name, above all His name. I've often wondered about that, tried to get an understanding grip on that. The Lord gave me a grip. He took me to Matthew uh, 24. 
You know why he put his word above his name? Because Jesus said, many will come in my name and deceive many. So we've got a book. We've got a word. Amen. Um, so I would say to all saints, not only just the newcomers, but to all saints, stay right around this altar. Where we use this to make sure we're right. Glory to God. Amen. Sufficient is the evil for the day, for that day. Don't try to add weights to the dumbbell that you're carrying. Some of the things that we're working out with, uh, that's to say that we're struggling with in some cases, are evident. An example of some of those things, of course, tonight are there are people here with infirmities. Uh, they're very evident, but don't let that discourage your faith. Amen. Uh, that might be part of their workout. And I don't mean anything by it except just to say that if you don't have an infirmity, why would you, what do you know and why would you say anything about the one that does? Right. Some in the church tonight, everybody in the church tonight doesn't have the same car, kind of car sitting on the parking lot. There are all kinds out there. Some of our spouses are, are not with us here tonight in the church. I don't need anything by this, but let me point out, if yours is, what do you know about that person's workout? Good. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And so we never judge one another. The things that we are working out that are not evident may be the most serious of all. We can get help from one another. We can pray for one another. We do. Thank you, Sister Lloyd, for the prayer of ministry. It's the hidden man of the heart that has to deal with those things that are not evident. And, and and how and with what does that inner man overcome with? I have one answer. Fear and trembling. Brother Fear and trembling. The altar is any place we need one. Amen. He has taken, it has taken the place, in my opinion, just my opinion, of the ark of the covenant. You weigh that. You weigh that in light of in, in light of Jesus Christ at Calvary. Uh, what happens in my life if I make the altar too common? Do I make it ineffectual? The altar is the place of potential. Yes. The Lord says, "Come," because potential. But it has no fulfillment without until it's realized. Amen. Too many have proceeded without an altar. And their fruit, you can tell, it's presumptuous. It's the spirit that smacks, smacks of arrogance, of pride, of assumption without prayer. I'd rather have a shack on the rock than a mansion on the stand. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I felt pretty good about that. <laughs> the altar is the place we go that if we knew every word of the dictionary, we could not say well enough what we need. <laughs> Why? Because of the Spirit of God. 
that we serve is there. The altar experience is a spiritual experience, the Holy Ghost experience. The altar is where Hannah prayed and where her lips moved, but no words. But it wasn't long. Israel had a judge. Yes. The priest Samuel was born. Praise God. Sometimes you may be thought to be drunk at your altar. Uh -huh. mm. Never mind. <laughs> the Bible says fear and trembling before God works it out. Right. So in all of this, where's faith? I'm not. I'm going to have to pass over this. And I know I see young people coming in. I'm going to have to. But something needs to be said about fear. Fear the apostle is talking about is not fright. The fear and trend, the fear is not fright. It is not being afraid or terrified of God. Nobody goes toward what they are afraid of. This fear is an open heart, open face approach with all your sensitivities alive. This involves things you cannot, you dare not say to others about yourself. At this altar. Am I, am I doing good? Yes. yes. You can work out things that are to the soul like sand in the eye at the altar. Irritants. Congestion. Things you have. Inconsistencies. Contradiction. They all get worked out from the cover at the altar. We all talk to brothers and sisters about some things, but God's at the altar. Oh, I've got to, I've got to come up here. Now I'm going to start what I call the close. Am I running too late for everybody? I'm all right. Um, there is a sense in which when you come to the altar, you are offering, you, you, you are the offering. And if you can't say amen right now, I hope you can when I get done. But you are the offering. You're saying my honesty, my openness, my acknowledgement of you is my offering in exchange for your help. Amen. Yes. <laughs> amen. A broken heart and a contrite spirit. Will he turn it away? No. Oh. What are spiritual sacrifices? These are spiritual sacrifices. Jesus. Praise God. Leviticus 17, verse 11. Our sister Mindy, thank you. You're doing such a great job. For the life of the flesh. This is the fundamental precept. The fundamental. This is the rock. This is the thing that does not move. There's nothing else to build on. This is it with regard to blood and tongue. It's in the law. It's the stone. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Now this is not blood of bulls and goats. Right. We maybe they didn't know that then, but Hebrews tells us that the blood of bulls and goats could not right. atone for sin. Right. So this blood is the blood of one. It's the blood of Christ. Yeah. Praise right. God. <laughs> he says, "I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your soul." When he offered himself at Calvary, the only unique one, Brother Griffith, I love him. <laughs> 
He was offering himself for something from God. Something in exchange for his blood. What is it? Justification for sin. <laughs> Amen. Now don't Pentecostals don't 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 go off on me there when I said that he was he was doing something for exchange for God. He is God. He is God. But he's approaching the justice of which justice is justice. Justice has punishment. And he is, he is, uh, he's not, not the calling for judgment on sinners. Not condemnation on sinners. Not the justice of demanding the law that said once an eye for an eye and a tooth for two. The disobedience and iniquity of man. No. For mercy and forgiveness for man. Salvation for all men, that their death would not be an eternal death. So he, I, I, he says, he's saying, I, let me paraphrase, I don't think I'm going to hurt one, do any damage at all to the word of God when he's, I say, he say, I am, I am interceding that when justice meets the blood, anger and wrath for sin will be put to peace. Yes. Amen. That where I am, there they may be also. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Would you look uh, with me to Isaiah 53, verse 8 through 11. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? Here it is. Where's his kids? Where's his generation? Let's go on. For he was cut off. Out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was in stricken. Yes. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. Here it is. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his kids. He shall see his seed. Praise God. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. There's his kids. Yes. That's where he sees his kids. When you make his soul an offering at the altar. Right. Yes. Praise God. Everybody wants to be a child of God. Where are the children of God? Let see them. Here they are. Ah, praise God. When he sees his seed. At the altar. Mary could give him no deity. I think I said that. He, he is in intercession with prayer and supplication. His whole life long. And then my last verse. Uh, Hebrews 5 verse 7. Do you love me? You love me? <laughs> Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Wow. Jesus was not praying 
for his own salvation. He was not praying to keep him from his death. Over in chapter 2, I think, of Hebrews, he, he, he talks about uh, them who all their lifetime were subject to bondage. This hymn in this verse, Brother Grace, do a little study on this, brother. You have to, you have to get into some understanding of a uh, little bit. Brother Griffith might be able to help you. Little marks on the Greek word. Where it says there that strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him, that him was not him. That him was us. That him was us. The intercessor. The fear and trembler, his whole life, his whole ministry, came to a place called Calvary. But here, all his life, all his life, was strong, crying, with tears, with fear and trembling. Did you ever think about Jesus that way? He said, "He said, come on to me." He said, "I'm, I'm me." And I'm what? Low. Here he is. Here he is. Making atonement. Um, Sister Lloyd, he saved the world with prayer. Because he was heard. Did you yes. see that? He was heard. This is how I know it. He was not praying for himself. He was heard. If he was praying for himself, he would not have died. Can you, can you see that? Praise God. He was praying. Interceding as For you. For me. Can we just worship? He is praying as our delegate. Yeah. He's praying as our representative. Yes. Where we have enough. And if you ever realize your smallness and wonder why he did it, you'll have to go to the altar and touch the blood. Then I think you'll understand. Jesus. He loved us. He loved us. He loved us. Praise God. Jesus. Glory. <laughs> oh, those questions I asked, those are hard questions, but shouldn't we be fearing and trembling more? And if we did, 
That's what men come. I tell you, the last two weeks, I don't know if you paid attention. I do a kind of I do analysis in my heart sometimes about things that have happened. I've never, I told them Jordan Griffin, I said, I've heard a lot of preaching in my life. But I have never heard anybody preach any stronger, any harder, pulling harder and greater for souls than you do, Brother Jordan, the last two messages. But saints, and I'm nobody. What's it going to take, Sister Pepper, to put fertility in this altar? It's fear. It's fear and it's trembling. I tell you, it's fear and trembling. And then, you know, we sometimes we think, I got it, I'm done. But we got we sometimes we think, you know, well, we got to do this evangelistic work. This evangelistic work. Got knock the door, we got to do this. That's all good. That's all good. That's all great. Sister Christ. The other morning was morning. Yes, you know how we have prayer in the morning after the first speaker, and you know it can be quite loud in here. And I had been praying, and I I left my spot, and I because it was pretty close time to start church. You know, I left my spot as walking. I heard something. I heard something. Turn around. Sister Lloyd was sitting right here speaking in tongues. I thought, my God, that's what was saving the world. Yeah. <laughs> that's what was saving the world. Jesus is our example. Fear and trembling. Saints, I love you, and I hope tonight something has come forth that will bless you. Serve the purpose of God in your heart, your life. Uh